Hello and welcome back to another edition, another losing edition, blowout loss edition of the Warriors uh, All-82 podcast. Um, Tim, like I told Ethan last time, they lost, so I, I sent out the bat signal. You, you and Ethan love to come on. We, we take the L's. We take the L's. Yeah. So that's all right. More to talk about sometimes with the L's. I think plenty to talk about with this one. I believe it was only a 19-point loss. It wasn't that bad, right? <laughs> oh, no. They played brilliantly to only lose by 19. What a, what a. Well, man, Mannion in the fourth, <laughs> uh, you know, get, getting revved up for the Orlando G League bubble. No, um, third down 30 at half, mm-hmm. down 40 at one point in the third quarter before, all, you know, all the main guys were pulled. Really, I mean, the story, down 14 nothing, <laughs> down 19-2. to two. Yep. Um, A starting lineup that also then, you know, it's not like the second unit really did play well. They didn't. But the starting lineup then came back in late in the in the half and was a quick minus thirteen again. So it wasn't just like they started poorly; they played extremely poorly. They were minus twenty six in the game, which now makes them minus seventy two for the season in I think one hundred sixty something minutes. It's beyond. You know, remember how bad the Kelly Oubre slump was? It was like okay, this is getting beyond bad. It's kind of getting beyond bad with the starting line. No question. You know, and these are their best players, right? I mean, this is supposed to be where they win games. This is where, you know, we we try not to make constant comparisons to the dynasty years, but this is where the Warriors were better than everybody. We, you know, certainly you talk about Iguodala, you talk about Livingston, you talk about whoever else, but you're supposed to be better than people with your best players starting. Those are the guys who get the most minutes, and they're getting killed. I thought... You know, the first part was bad, but also was the Jazz just, you know, in a rhythm and hitting shots. Again, they were getting the shots, but it wasn't, I mean, it was bad, but it wasn't like the Warriors were absolutely, completely ridiculous. I thought when they came back in at the end of the first half, they were terrible. They quit. I thought they quit on the floor a little bit uh, on, on some of those, just putting up terrible shots, not getting back, leaving wide open Jazz shots. That's the kind of stuff that makes a coach, even a coach who has said that he's sticking with his lineup, uh, before the game, uh, starts to sound a lot different when Anthony Slater's asking him about it after this game. I, I, I think there's no question the whole, you know, front office and coaching staff has to say this is not working. This is not working. Even when they were winning games, it wasn't great uh, out of the starting lineup. And this is this was an embarrassing performance against a very good team. But you still got to so, you got to get you half know, an hour. You, you got to be so, in the game, and they were not. So yeah. So it's I kind of wrote about it a little post game. Sometimes blowout losses that were going to happen regardless can teach you something, right? Even if you're like, you know, look, Damian Lee starts tonight, they get blown out by the Jazz. You know, they didn't have an answer tonight for the Jazz, but as embarrassing it was, sometimes can clarify uh, stuff. And, and, you know, you mentioned the Steve Kerr quote post game. I'll I'll pull it up. He says, "There's no doubt that we have to assess everything as a staff, as an organization, how we're looking at this season, what our goals are. Everything is up for adjustments." It was really the first time he admitted that you know he might actually yep. change the starting lineup. And the fact that he used the word "organization" <laughs> was interesting. Yeah. Well, hey, they paid eighty million dollars in salary plus luxury tax cost for for Kelly Oubre, you know, and and I'm sure there was an emotional and a financial investment in him, not just from the front office, from Steve Kerr too. You know, they really wanted it to work. They wanted him to be a 35-minute guy to just go out there, run the floor, play great defense, get some rebounds, and work in the offense. And he just hasn't worked in the offense. And I think he's – I've written – I've tweeted about this. I think he's pulling down the rest of the first unit because he's so bad on offense and you have him out there with, with Draymond and with Wiseman. It, it just completely tightens up the floor for Steph Curry. Kind of important for them to have a little open space for him. And when he's not 
all the way defensively, which he was not tonight, and I don't think he was the other night either, then you're getting annihilated, and you're getting annihilated in Steph minutes, and those are killer. If you get annihilated in Steph minutes, you're not going to win the game, and they, they got to adjust that. You know, It's not just Dubray's fault. I, I think it becomes too easy to do that, and so maybe I'm doing a little bit of it, but that's the one move they can make. That's the one move they made for the, for the starting unit, including also uh, Wiseman putting in there, but Wiseman's staying on this team. He's going to be on this team. Kelly Oubre, this is this is a one-year thing, you know, and, and might be counting down. They might be counting it down already and just trying to figure out around that. Yeah, I mean, it, I think he could fit in the um, off the bench. I mean, we've seen him in, in the off-the-bench environments where, where the uh, you know everything's simplified offensively. He can slash a bit more. His isolations aren't as hurtful because they're not taking it away from Steph Curry. Um, you put up the stat on Twitter: sixteen assists in sixteen yep. games. Um, that's actually above his career it high. That's I mean, I mean, I shouldn't say career high. Career number. Career number uh, yeah. He's zero point nine assists per game yep. uh, in his six year career. That's who he is. Yep. And the fact is, they have two non passers in that starting lineup. A starting lineup that's usually, or, or you know, it on a team in an ecosystem that's used to having good centers that could pass, really good wings, the Iguodalas, the Bogut's of the world out there. And Wiseman, they're trying to teach to pass, yep. and that is very important for their future. And he did have six assists the last couple of games. And, he, you know, like you said, they need to keep him out there to grow him. The reality is Kelly Oubre is, at this point of his career, kind of who Kelly Oubre is. It's a one-year rental type situation. Um, he is the obvious choice. And more and more, you know, see Kerr keeps using this 20-game mark. They're through 16 now. Um, they're really lucky to be 8-8. Eight and eight. They're minus 59. Um I'm curious what they do come Monday. They they have this cushion coming up of two Wolves home games, and they have a Detroit Pistons home game next Saturday. Those are right now the two worst teams in basketball. They need those three wins. Does he try to get a rhythm with this lineup that he that in his mind is going to be the best defensive lineup eventually, or does he say no? Let's pull the plug now and let's give this new lineup, which I assume is either Damian Lee, maybe I, I, you could make the argument for Michael Muller. So I'd say Bazemore ahead of that just Bazemore. for defense. You know, I just, Steph Curry, Michael Mulder, backcourt defensively, I don't see that working real well, maybe against Minnesota. Too. Well, the one thing I would say with Lee is he's more of the the flowing offensive yep. player yep. that they like, right? Oh, well, he's going to move on a pin down over it. Like, Bazemore is a little wild. Like, no he's question. a little Oubre-like, you know, too Oubre-like probably. So I uh, I think Lee, I mean, as Look, we certainly are not the first to discuss this. Plenty of people have said this, uh, including, you know, I think Ethan wrote a story on it like two weeks ago. Um, but Lee is probably the most obvious choice. Do you, I mean, just the way they're talking tonight, do you think it's actually going to happen? Yeah, I think once you start going down that road, it almost feels like a quarterback change, right? Once the head coach kind of admits it might happen, you might as well just do it because everyone's thinking about it. And so he doesn't do it for one game against Minnesota, then it just comes crashing in and he's going to do it for the second game anyway. Maybe he he waits one more game, but knowing Steve Kerr like we know him, I don't think you say it. No changes, no changes, no changes. Well, maybe some changes without the decision almost already being made. And maybe you got to talk about it with the front office, talk about you know going over some more film. But at this point, it's almost like just change for change's sake. And I don't always support that. Certainly not on a very good team, but they're verging on not being a good team you know verging on being a good team too they're right there 500 as you said maybe lucky 500 certainly the point differential doesn't explain that but stuff still steph curry still have draymond green you still you still have pieces that make you think you could be a good team 
I think you just got to do it. And I think Damian Lee is the move. We'll see if they do it. Uh, well, again, it might be Bazemore, it might be Mulder, who knows? But I think it's Damian Lee just to see it. And maybe it crashes in with Damian Lee too. I don't know. But I just don't think you can go with Uber and Draymond Green together. It just, the offense is just not there for it. And the defense has Wiseman, to be superb. And that includes, you know, Wiseman. And Wiseman, you know, you're too. trying yeah, to teach you know, this young center who has his flaws, you know, exactly. his young flaws within it while you're crunching the floor around him where, you know, what's his best, you know, Steph Curry, you're trying to unlock Steph Curry, right? That's been the main problem. He has like this low usage rate that Kevin Pelton found 22% usage rate in the starting lineup, 35 in all mm-hmm. other lineups, but also like you're taking away the lob game. It really, it only looked good against the Spurs because of how awful the Spurs were defensively that's been the only time that starting lineup has worked and a lot of that was because Wiseman got free for dunks like he should be getting you know two dunks every stint basically that's what they want and the and the appeal of Lee is stretch the floor take a defender away from Steph and also take a defender away from like you know the backside of, of, of Wiseman at times and just get out of like an isolation tunnel visioned mindset i think is the main thing right i mean draymond green yeah yeah. did you i saw that i I wasn't on the call for that but i I saw that and you know obviously you can point to uber i assume he's maybe talking about wiseman too but you know they can't really come down on wiseman he's so young and and they said it so i i guess what he got to be talking about uber right slayer i mean that's who who he's talking about yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm probably Wiseman a little bit too, but like as we all know, it's more like I think he understands where Wiseman is. I mean, we we, we know Draymond's. Um, we see how he's like, you know, trying to grow Wiseman. I don't think he would make a stinging comment like that uh, at his rookie center. Now it's you know a 24, 25 year old uh, rental. Um, where the quote was, we got to find an identity as a team. Sometimes we move the ball. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes we defend. Sometimes we don't. Are we going to be a ball movement team or an ISO team? Draymond is is limited offensively too. He kind of needs, you know, he needs more spacers out there. So I think the problem is Steve Kerr developed this dream that I think over the summer we all, I mean, I remember when I was mapping out this team once we knew it, what the ingredients were that was in theory, the best line Mm -hmm. that was their five best, longest, most active players. Um, but it's, it's become obvious. It's just, it's just a combo that doesn't seem to be working. Uber can't make shots again. And if he's shooting 33%, which is not great from three, if he's shooting that, it's a different conversation and he's not, he's not even come close. And he's, again, he's putting up six of threes a game or whatever it is. It's way too many. Way too many. And I understand it. It's like if he's out there and he's open, you're supposed to take the shot. But it's moved well past that stage, well past it. And you just, it's 16 games of shooting 20% from three at a high volume. That kills you no matter. I'd kill the second unit too, frankly. It just, as you know, in my mind, it hurts you less if it's with the second unit because they're not have Steph Curry on the floor and you're not trying to win those minutes. You're trying to just stay with the other team in those minutes. And it's a bonus if you get decent play out, if you get offense out of that, you know, you just want to kind of hold them down. It's just the combination of what they have on the floor. We've seen it. Like we can see that there's a chance it could be good, but yeah, you go 16 games and you, you know, ever closer to that 20 game mark and that magic Steve Kerr 20 game mark, which again is a big, bigger chunk of a 72 game season than it is of an 82 game season. I, I think you might've said, okay, we gave you the shot like this. We've played it out. And Maybe you go back to them at some point, but I think once you start letting that thought get in your head, then 
you, you might as well just do it. And you might as well cut down the minutes. I thought they were going to do this, what, three weeks ago? And he's Steve Kerr has been patient with it. But man, when the guy, the most patient coach in the world starts saying that he's not getting, he's losing some patience, it's time to do it. And I, I do think Damian Lee get in there again. It might be disaster defensively, but you still have Wiggins to guard their best guy. And then you kind of fake it, you know, with, with everybody else. By the way, and Steph, Lee's not terrible defensively. Not terrible. He's, he's long. You know, he, he gives it. I mean, you can go right through him sometimes. But, he, yeah, he's bigger. He's bigger than Mulder. This is the, the, the reason why I think he would get the starting nod over Mulder. Uh, Steph was not good defensively tonight, by the way. Uh, no, no. They, they had a lot of veteran mistakes. Draymond really wasn't yep, good defensively nope, tonight. But, I, you know, Utah, Utah is, is shooting, like, historically yes. good from three yes. right now. And they're confident and, and, with it, right? They're yeah. confident with their offense. They know, bing, bang, boom, okay, O'Neal's going to be open in the corner. Back back up to Conley up top. But you got to, you know, you got to have that double effort. You got to have that multiple effort. And they didn't, they barely had an initial effort on defense tonight with the Warriors. And then you just get pummeled. Although, what, they got they lost by almost 40 to, to the in Salt Lake City before when they were great. So, you don't want to just last ride. game of the regular season one year. I remember exactly. they were like kind of limping into the playoffs, lost by forty, and then they went on. That's with yeah, that's with Kevin Durant and the whole gang. But I just the the trend line is too is too obvious. The talent levels it's like it's a talent. Level. Like how good is Kelly Oubre really going to be? I think you know maybe he shoots thirty one percent for the season, and that's still going to kill him. Uh, and without any assists and with turning the ball over and head down through it and you know st- stand in yeah. the corner you know that, look all those things kill him. as a shooting threat he's similar to andre iguodala but it's like if andre iguodala got the ball and said tunnel vision i gotta get mine like <laughs> so there's kind of the issue and i you know i think they in some ways maybe pin themselves in the corner a little bit preseason by him going top 10 defense that's the identity of this yep. team that's yep. what he sees it's transition up and down and they just lock teams up with their length and deflections and steals and all that and like to do that yes kelly Oubre is a major part of that he's he's a steel block hound out there um but it's you know, Speaking. you almost got to give up on the idea of top ten defense because the offense can't be. A, you can't have a bad offense in lineups that Steph Curry's on the floor, yep. and they do right. And that's to speak it into existence. And other Warriors officials are known to do this. Uh, and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But I almost was thinking, like, hey, I understand what Kerr was saying last game about the fouls are ridiculous. We can't do this. We can't foul as much. Thinking, you know what? What if they go out there and they don't foul against Utah and they give up a thousand points? Because sometimes you kind of have to get to that borderline against a good offensive team. We know teams did it to the Warriors when they were flying. Sometimes you got to get to that border. Like if you're not a great man-to-man defensive team, which they are not, they're okay. But they have issues with that. They are giving up penetration like crazy, and they did to the Knicks too. That pick and roll stuff is killing them. Uh, but if you say you're not going to foul anymore, what if the players actually pay attention and then don't reach and don't you know bump into anybody? Again, this happens with a lesser talented team. And you know, once Clay Thompson got hurt, this was going to be a lesser talented team. They and they have a pathway to being a lot more talented, as we've said over and over again. They have the Minnesota draft pick, which may be delivered next season. They have, you know, James Wiseman developing. They have their own draft pick. Uh, we all know this, but the yeah, games like this one, you throw the Knicks one in there, they're clunkers. And everyone can say they're clunkers and you see what, they, what comes up next. But there are obvious flaws in this team that do not match up well with great teams. They just don't. And I didn't think they matched up obviously well with the Lakers. They come back to win it. 
but I don't think you know that wasn't that wasn't because they matched up. Well. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. There was a whole other things going. There was there was a Laker dynasty vibe going on in that one. Like, let's take a night off here, uh, which again is. And almost- they did so, they did some things that they didn't do tonight. There's more energy, all that. No, um, I before we get out of here, um, you mentioned the Minnesota pick, and you know I got a story dropping on the website. I think Sunday morning um, that. Is reassesses the I think it's a good time to reassess the Wiggins Russell deal I mean you have two Wolves games coming up both in chase right now the Wolves who actually won on uh Saturday without Russell they rested D'Angelo Russell Carl Carl Anthony Towns is out with COVID they actually won for the fourth time this season they're now four and eleven but I mean we talk point differential worse in the league they've been getting blown off the floor uh Russell has a 119.5 defensive rating which has only increase the value of this pick that was involved in the trade. Uh, you know, I kind of went through all the three portions of the trade, which was they salary dumped Evans and Spellman to free up some roster spots and duck the tax. Obviously a warrior. Neither one of whom are in the league right now, which is pretty yeah. amazing. Neither. Yeah. Both got cut by the Knicks actually. Um, and then there's the Wiggins for Russell swap, which I think both teams could argue help them now the Warriors I think have a stronger argument early in this like rehash of the trade that like their switch from Russell to Wiggins because they needed a wing has definitely worked we'll see once Russell and Towns get time together on the Minnesota side of things Um, but I think the Warriors at this point have at least you would say slightly won that portion of the trade and then the big thing is this pick is looking better by the day. Although maybe I should, you know, maybe not today since they won, but it's, you know, there's not that many better picks out there right now than a Minnesota 2021 first rounder. Now it's top three protected, but I, I mean, it's, if they yep. put that out on the market, and I'm not sure they even would, but if they do, like that will fetch a lot of interest. Yeah, even say say it's number seven, which would be worst case scenario for it to be conveyed, essentially, you know, whatever in that realm. That's a great pick in this draft. That is a great pick in this draft, and you could you could do some things with a number seven pick in this draft. And Warriors could have their own, maybe you know their own. It's 13. If they miss the if the playoffs, they would be very disappointed. But you get seven and 13 because of this trade, and you have Andrew Wiggins, and you're happy with him. Uh, there are a lot of positive things out of that trade, and they told us so. And many of us were like shrugging about it because Andrew Wiggins, you know, there's you never know with him. And I just think in a different context, though, he's looking pretty good. You know, we all get the Minnesota people saying, "See, see, see, you think he's so good, and he's he's going to have this terrible game. Look, see, see," and, and and that's all true. I I give him that. They watched him for all those years. But the Warriors aren't looking at him like that. They just aren't, especially when Clay comes back. Again, we forgot about that one. They got Clay coming back, theoretically. You know, we don't know at what level. Yeah. But this is a whole different team next season. And that trade, I will give them credit. Joe Lakeup will listen to this and, and tell me, hey, of course, finally you admitted I was right. I thought they could have got more for it, though. I, I did. I, I thought D'Angelo Russell was much more valuable than Andrew Wiggins across the league. I don't think there's a doubt about that. And Minnesota, I'm not sure he still is, yeah, though. Still is. And Minnesota was dying for him to make sure that Carl Anthony Towns was happy. He's like, you couldn't get one more pick out of that. You couldn't get one more pick. You couldn't get a pick swap. You know, what if they had this pick and a pick swap? You know, the, yeah. those sort of things is I, I thought they could have. It was like, you know, they had a parade practically for when they, when Minnesota got DeAndre Russell. When teams have a parade, I think Ethan said this, you probably get more than they got. 
But yeah. Well, the one the the one thing I would say is like Minnesota clearly valued him way more than any other yeah, franchise. Yeah. Um, so it had to be them. They were clearly going to be the only ones you could kind of hold hostage. Now, they did get the twenty twenty one second rounder, which you know is probably going to be in the low thirties, right? Yep. So, and and that has been used in the Ubre trade. So that was another minor asset with it. Uh, I do think we've underrated how much they really wanted to get off Spellman and Evans <laughs> and, and duck that tax. Yep. Um, and then. Uh, to me, what they if they could have played hardball and not had that top three protection, that would have made this a home run, yeah. right? Because if you're sitting there right now with an <laughs> unprotected Minnesota 2021 first rounder, and you could, like I said, attach like this Cade Cunningham dream, right? You take it out in the market and go, you like Cade Cunningham? This might be your lottery <laughs> ticket to him. How about, um, how, about that, how about trading as Joel Embiid, Mr. Daryl Moore? Yeah. You know, or that. Yeah, you get in that conversation, no question. It's still it's still a good trade though. I mean, I, mean, I think we're we're talking around it, and yeah. I agree with you. They won almost every level of this trade at the moment. We'll see what happens with Russell and Wiggins, but just having the possibility of this pick, if this is pick number four delivered to them this season, and it's one of these you know great wings that we're all we all hear people talking about, and we see him pop up on the TV. It's not going to be Kate Cunningham. He's going one or two, but. Man, some of these players are very, very interesting, and you yeah. plot, you go this, you go Wiseman with with that pick, with the Warriors' own pick, and with Clay coming back. To, then we're really having a conversation about this team. So I will say it, it was you know the move they had to make better than having to sit on D'Angelo Russell. I'll, I'll give them that better than driving too hard a bargain and Minnesota walks away, which I don't think they were going to do. I don't think they were going to walk away, but. If they do, if they did walk away, and you're sitting with D'Angelo Russell for another season, I, I think we would have a very gr- much more grumpy uh, locker room with the Warriors, uh, and and possibly not an eight and eight record right now. So, um, yeah. What what what? If, here's a question: What if Minnesota's well, like and, going, man? D'Angelo does does stink. What do they do? Like like, there's not another. Trade they kind of have to play it out. They've yeah. co- they've committed to it. Yep. You know, I threw it in my story, but like that, their alternate universe they got to be thinking about is you keep Wiggins, which again I understand it was stale there with Wiggins, but if you have Wiggins and Towns going into the summer and you get the first pick as they did, suddenly you're probably taking Lamelo yep. Ball and and. I, if I'm them, I'd rather be sitting there right now with Lamella Ball, Wiggins, Towns, than Russell Edwards, yeah. Towns. Edwards has struggled but, recently. I mean, again, they, yeah. we talked about him for eight months going into that draft, and we all said he's going to score, but it's going to be inefficient. It's going to be. You're going to get an up close look at him yeah. this week. Exactly, I'm going to see two games. I'm going to be very, one of them. I'm, one of them. I'm going to actually be at Slater. How about that? It's going to be news. Right. There you go. And. Yeah, I'll take Wiseman. I'll take Wiseman over all of them. I really would. Now, you know, Ball's been fine, but Ball's the argument. Yeah, Ball's the argument. I, to me, it's become clear it's Ball, Wiseman, and like Edwards is a, is a third, and that's who Minnesota ended up getting. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, the odd part of this season in general is we're looking at it is there's like a frenetic concern about the moment right now, and 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 yes, the starting lineup, and where can the season even go? What's the ceiling? Can they even get to the playoffs? Um, but if you if you just broaden out and look at what the last few months have been, really post Clay Achilles injury, because that was obviously a disaster for them, but just from an asset standpoint, Wiggins has proved to be exactly what they wanted it to be. I would say Curry and Draymond have been. You know, they've shown enough to believe that they're extending their primes, you know, uh, a bit longer. I mean, prime might be strong with Draymond, but, you know, they'll be impact players next year. Wiseman's value either on the market or as a as a long-term potential foundational piece has only gone up. Yep. Um, and then that Wolves pick has only spiked in value. So, really, their future over the last 
month or two has really, I think, like the stock's rising on it. Nope. Even if in the moment you're like, I don't know where this current team is going. The other the side benefit is the fans don't have to try to tank because they got the Minnesota pick. <laughs> they can't. They don't have to like, oh, Warriors, I just we just tank so we get a lottery pick. Uh, the odds are pretty good that they're going to have a lottery pick with Minnesota if they don't lose in the protection. So that, uh, oh, by the way, the, I think the Warriors will first round pick is going to be protected in that OKC trade. By the way, I think we're pretty yeah, solid. That, on that, that forces them to give Minnesota second rounder. Yeah. That's the if they protect yeah. the pick, they send Minnesota second rounder. I think they'll instead. take that. I just want to add one thing. I, I thought Wiseman played Gobert pretty well tonight. Again, you know, shaky stuff. The hands are he's dropping balls, whatever. That's the continuing story but i thought he felt like he there's a big guy i'm gonna go match up with the big guy and he had a shot block no question he had an air ball you know those things happen but i just thought he looked like he belonged on the floor would you, you agree with that yes uh he had a he had a few nice plays he's trying to do a little bit more offensively again that's like the balance of their season right now is like it's not necessarily super efficient for them to be like hey you know wiseman kind of explore some things offensively with steph and draymond out there right that might you know, add to them losing games, but um, there he did a few things. He had that transition catch, one hand, right hand yeah. running yeah, dunk. He's that good was at nice. That. He is good at that. Um, yeah, he, he had a nice block. I think he might have got Gobert once on the block. Yep. Gobert got him yep. too. Uh, there were some rebounds he should have got that he didn't. There were some rebounds he did get that were impressive. So it's like, it's so up and down, but you know. Um, and, and, and my whole point with yeah. him, you know, Ethan doesn't think he should be starting, but I just don't think Looney, uh, uh, there's the chemistry with Steph, but he doesn't, well, he did make another three tonight, by the way, but he just is not, such a non-offensive threat. And I don't think he's good enough defensively in this state at this point in his career to make that much of a difference. And I just want to see Wiseman with Steph. I just think that's where the future of this franchise is and you want to keep in. Clearly they think so too. So you just go with it and, I think it's actually just, you know, it's probably the same as what you get at a Looney in the starting lineup or more, just because sometimes you get a LaMarcus Aldridge who's asleep and you can get eight points in, in, a, in, a, in a big rush. And also, I'll say this, uh, Pascal's going up against some big backup centers these days, Slater. Well, Gobert yeah. today, too, the way they, Utah they, did their rotation. Right, they rotated Gobert. He got no, he's got no shot against those guys. He's got no shot. Uh, and do you see how small he looked compared to Gobert? I mean, he is. Yeah. He's a lot smaller. Uh, that's rough. Again, you, you shake it up. You, you know, you don't need the same thing out of every center. But when he, you know, he didn't look against good against Potal. He hasn't looked good against some of the other big centers. It's just going to happen sometimes. Not his fault. He has been very good all season. But there's going to be some matchups where Eric Pascal at the center uh, is going to be, look a little shaky. And that was tonight. No doubt. All right, Tim, that is our weekend podcast, 8-8 eight eight Warriors, uh, with an easy week, you would think, coming up. But easy in this uh, day and age means it's pressure. Yes, right? exactly. Go, they need to go get wins. Exactly. So, uh, like, this is, this is Wolves, like, do yeah. it, guys. Do it. Let's see. Yeah, Wolves Monday, Wolves Wednesday, Suns Thursday, Pistons Saturday. We will talk to you after some of those games. Thanks for coming on.